Welcome to Think Business Futures. On this show, we take cutting-edge business research and couple it with real-world examples to explore what's actually happening in business, finance, and the marketing worlds. I'm Nicole Sutton, lecturer in accounting at UTS Business School, and on this episode, we're looking at sustainable finance, the idea that investors might not just want to maximise their financial returns, but also invest with an eye towards environmental and social issues too. To help us understand this world, we are joined by Deb Cotton, Senior Lecturer in Finance, UTS Business School. Welcome, Deb. You've spent a good portion of your academic career exploring the intersection between sustainability and finance. I'm curious, how did you become interested in this topic in the first place? Uh, So initially it was uh, climate change that was an interest to me. So the environment is a critical component. I grew up in the country and so I suppose um, on a large property you see the effects of climate significantly and not that when I was a child I was obviously thinking climate change but I was fully aware of the significance of climate and it just became more and more obvious that not that that's climate change is the whole reason for droughts and floods and those sort of things but when I started to get a better understanding of the impact it was going to have on weather events and significant weather events it seemed to me from my rural background to be really important from that aspect, I suppose, and the sustainability, the sustainability of our food sources and water sources and all those sort of things. And then I was able to, because I'd been working in stockbroking for some years before I went into academia, it kind of allowed me to link in those two things about a financial market, if you like, and the environment. Mm. And in linking these two things, sustainability and finance, if we put these two words together... What does it actually entail and how is it different to, say, conventional approaches to finance? Look, I think that's really tricky because I think the definition of sustainability is a really tricky one as well because sustainability, when I talk to uh, some people in finance, so of course we want a sustainable system, we want it to go on forever. So sustainable can mean a whole lot of things, of course. Um, But it started to become obvious to me, I suppose, from meeting with people who were interested in this idea and starting to do more in that aspect. So for me, sustainable finances, as you suggested in your introduction, it's trying to link together some of these ideas of the environment, social, and also governance, but I'll kind of leave governance to one side because it's a bit different in my view, um, into our financial choices. But it's not against the normal financial way that we think about things because if we think about climate change, that's going to have some effects on what's going to happen to our profitability, etc. in the future. So I don't think it's completely separate. I just think it's adding another layer. Mm. And we're definitely seeing more of that. Uh, so, for example, with insurance companies now pricing in the cost of the risk of climate change or um, the ability of getting finance for different sorts of infrastructure projects. So we can see that the, these worlds are actually colliding in a real sense uh, in, in financial markets and financial products. The insurance companies were the first ones to start incorporating this into their costs because they could see this was going to be a cost. So they were really early adopters of this concern around climate change um, a long time before I started thinking about this, quite honestly. I'm interested in the different approaches to sustainable finance. Um, And like you said before, it's a kind of a tricky thing. But for example, what's negative screening and how is that different, say, from impact investing? 
Um, so negative screening is really when you look at this sort of portfolio of possible investments, and I'll talk mostly equities here, but it's not just equities, but they're easier for me to talk about. But if I look at you know what shares, what companies I'm going to invest in, negative screening means I'm going to not invest in ones that do certain activities. Now, the really what we might refer to as low-hanging fruit are tobacco, um, gambling, you know, some of those really obvious ones that everybody goes, oh, yeah, you know. Theoretically, they'd say that anyway. We don't want to invest in those kind of issues. However, um, and so negative screening is one way of looking at it, and I don't think it's necessarily a bad way of looking at it, but you can just take that further and further and further. You are, though, limiting your investment universe, which is one of the things that a lot of investors worry about because if they don't have this well-diversified portfolio, they're lending themselves to a lot more risk. So if I've got most of my investment in these very sustainable investments, am I getting sort of when one particular type of investment goes up and one goes down, you know, are they going to balance each other out? And we teach our students um, a number of things. And one of the key things is diversification and that reduces your risk. So that's one of the issues around the negative screening. And also it's a little bit black and white sometimes. Impact investing, though, depending on how you're thinking about that, is whether we're thinking about impact investing in terms of um, investments, social investment, bond, impact bonds and those sort of things, or are we thinking about investing with impact on societies? Well, we're going to get into impact investing bonds in a moment because I know you've done some work on that. Maybe if we can make this just a little bit more, I don't know, tangible for our listeners at home. Are there examples that of these different forms of or approaches to sustainable finance that they might be familiar with or have come across in their daily lives? Um, it's a bit hard to say in your daily life whether you're going to come across some of these things, but it's little decisions that you might make. So when I'm thinking about what I might buy in terms of soap powder, or something. So let me bring it back to that. So am I wanting to purchase a soap powder that might have damaging effects on the environment or not? Now, if I delve into that a little bit deeper, that's going to make a difference to what products I'm buying. And therefore, if I was an investor, what companies I would invest in. So when I'm looking at a company to invest in, I want to have a look at what is their effect on the environment, on human rights, any of those kind of issues. So it really does link. But just as um, if we refer to ourselves as consumers, we're making kind of smaller day-to-day decisions about how we might affect the environment. But in fact, from an investment policy, um, it's really that's how we actually think about it in the same way as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've, I've come across some financial products to, in terms that seem to be oriented around this space. So there are certain super funds, for example, um, or managed funds that are um, geared to have this kind of sustainability branding. Um, where do they fit on the spectrum of these different approaches? Oh, a massive range. Yeah. So from, you know, a very small impact of this sustainability to being their whole thesis. So basically, um, I was going to say manifesto, I'm pretty sure that's the wrong word, (laughs) but um, essentially that idea. So funds like Australian Ethical um, Investments, so they've been obviously at the forefront of some of these things. So they have a very clear criterion of what sort of companies they will invest in and what ones that they won't. And on their website, they clearly show you what they're interested in investing in and what they're not. But others can say that we're doing, they're doing sustainable investing, 
but it has a number of grey areas. Um, the Responsible Investment Association of Australasia, which I do some work with, but they've recently put out a report. And at the end of 2018, there were 2,400 and something trillion dollars in assets under management. I see. 2,400 trillion. Yeah. yeah. In total? In total in Australia. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Um, and also in Australia. So within that um, 2,400 and something. Over 900 trillion was invested, assets under management were invested in what they refer to as sustainable investments. So it's quite a high percentage. Mm. So what that means for me, I suppose, is yes, that's look at that. And I go, yes, that's fantastic. Look at the amount that incorporating that aspect into it. But it can be in such a wide range. It can be a tiny little aspect Mm. where we don't invest in um, tobacco or gambling. Oh, but by the way, we do actually invest in the paper companies that make the um, cigarette packets. So we are still making a profit out of that. Mm-hmm. Or do we not even do that? You know, so there's a massive range of what, how we might refer to that. And for advocates of sustainable finance, what are some of the key positions or arguments that they put forward? Well, one of the key arguments that we've found in actual um, in academic research has been that to not invest sustainably is actually increasing your risk. So we can reduce the risk of our investment by investing in more environmentally sound and socially sound. And part of that is to do with the effect of climate change. So if we're trying to be adaptive to that, but also it gives us much smaller variation because we've got a smaller number of securities we're investing in, we therefore have a smaller level of variability in that investment portfolio. So it's very difficult to answer your question, to be honest, because there's so many different aspects. And depending on what we might choose to focus on, am I mostly concerned about human rights issues? So then I'm really going to want to look down the supply chains. But in, in one, so there's an aspect around managing risk. There's an aspect around trying to have leverage with your whatever financial power that you have. And, it, and depending on what your interests are, even though it might seem that that might be tricky, you know, you, you want to do good, you want to help prevent climate change or at least not have an impact, you want to reduce your carbon footprint through your, and leverage through your investments. And yet even then there might be some tricky short-term trade-offs that you're going to, the ones that's actually quite hard to navigate through. Yeah. So we've got to try and work out where we put our money. And and for us, the majority of Australians anyways, our superannuation fund is where we've got most impact. So how do we have an impact through that? Um, us in this room collectively wouldn't have much impact on one fund. So we've got to think a little bit about what we do there. So we can make choices. And so many people don't make choices with their superannuation funds. So I think one of the really first things we can do is actually start choosing what we do with our superannuation money. So I can make that choice and I tick that little box. Now, to be very honest, um, obviously with what I'm talking about this morning, I should know exactly what they're investing in, but I don't. So I think I'm doing better than I would otherwise, but I don't really know what I'm doing. So for the most part, we don't know that much about it, but we can be shareholder activists. Some years ago now, I actually interviewed a whole lot of superannuation fund 
managers, asking them about how they incorporated sustainability and did they incorporate it in and that kind of thing. And one of the things that was interesting there in terms of coming to the shareholder activism, they felt, and it still seems to be um, predominant in the market now, that their best way to influence a company was to stay invested, so not that negative screening, stay invested and try and influence the company's actions. So that was really big and that keeps coming through in the RIA reports and those kind of things that that's how the super funds and large investment funds believe they can actually make the best action. So rather than just getting out of it and then the company does whatever and somebody if you sell the shares as you know the share price a large quantity the share price will come down somebody else is going to buy them and so it's going to make no difference to that particular company. So the best thing they can do is try and influence the activity through shareholder activism, and that's what they're doing much better. Yeah. Obviously, so, not so all it could companies. be. So, for example, at the AGM or something, this is the point, or perhaps even behind the closed doors. Behind be- the closed doors before the AGM, yeah. where because the- if I own ten percent of your company, I can ring up the general manager anytime I want. Really, can't I? And that's how they actually do it. So they influence behind closed doors as far as they can and try and get some action. Um, And then with the idea, obviously, that at some point they'll come out at the AGM. Apart from the diffuseness uh, of not knowing, can I actually have an impact, what are some of the other challenges or hindrances that are involved in sustainable finance? Uh, A lot of it, I think, is about transparency. So making sure companies are transparent enough. And there's been a lot of emphasis on that. And there's more emphasis after the Royal Banking Commission as well, just about the transparency as a whole. And that's becoming really important. Um, And I think there's a lot more happening there. We're very low in Australia on requirements of what companies are required to do. Europe is much better. But we can look at the company annual reports and see what they're doing. What we need to get to is a point where those company annual reports have certain things that they have to, information they have to provide, whereas at the moment they provide what they want. Now, a lot of them are terrific, but which companies are doing the best sustainability reports? Well, the big companies, because they can afford to, because it's quite expensive to do that kind of thing. Are they telling me everything that's happened? It kind of looks like it because they tell me certain amounts of information, fatalities, emissions, some of those sort of things. But I can't be 100% sure until we actually get some more regulatory action in that space. But I can make those kind of decisions. I can read those reports. But it requires me to actually be proactive. And of course, you can have your own superannuation fund. You can self-manage your fund and therefore you can start making your own investment decisions. You're listening to Think Business Futures. To download this show, head to 2SCR.com or your favourite podcast app and look for Think Business Futures. On this episode, we're talking about sustainable finance. Hello, Mark speaking. Hi, Mark. This is Jason at 2SCR. How are you? Uh, Hi, Jason. Good, thanks. Mark McVie made a strategic decision about how his superannuation is invested, and it's probably not a decision many of us had considered. In 2018, Mark sued his super fund, Rest Super, on the basis that they failed to disclose information about their investment impact on the environment. So, Mark, what information was it that they failed to provide? Yeah, so basically what I was looking for um, was any kind of evidence that they'd performed risk analysis for climate change, um, something along the lines of what the TCFD recommendations were requiring. A quick acronym translation here. The TCFD stands for Task Force on Climate-Related Financial Disclosures. 
The International Consortium aims to develop recommendations for voluntary financial disclosures that are consistent, comparable, and efficient. Um, and when I looked on Breast's website, when I contacted them, basically they could give me nothing. They've got you know one-word statements um, saying that they take you know sustainability issues into account. No direct mention of climate change. Uh, absolutely no real hard quantifiable information. That's where it all started. So, did they tell you? Do they give, tell you something like you know we consider ESG? You know, they didn't tell you we don't invest in X company or Y company or we don't invest in coal or we don't. They just gave you kind of a blanket response. Yeah, definitely a blanket response, but not even to that amount of detail. Um, basically, just a single word, a single sentence. Basically, yeah. And how long have you been with REST? Is this your, have you had your super with them, what, your whole working life? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So since I was 16, I think. Um, and it's the kind of superannuation company that most uh, Australians who work at the grocery store will go on. Um, so it's, yeah, it's very common. And when you had this thought and you looked at their website and you wanted to know more, you wanted to know specifically what their, what they were doing to mitigate their impact um, on the environment, and, and you found out that they're not doing anything or they're not disclosing what they're doing, why not just move your superannuation into another fund? Yeah, so there's a couple of reasons. I mean, the first off is that there isn't actually a lot of other options, at least in Australia. Uh, there is some, you know, ethical supers out there, but, they're, you know, they restrict other things um, and they've got, you know, higher fees. But uh, one of the main reasons is that this isn't a ethical issue. It's a financial risk issue. Every single superannuation company, um, and it's not even you know restricted to superannuation as well, should be looking at climate change risk as a factor that they need to analyze you know with their investments. So it's not something I can just pick up and choose somewhere else because it's affecting basically you know every superannuation company and not everyone. Or a very minimal amount of people are actually taking on these TCFD recommendations. Um, you said that the company is then failing in their fiduciary uh, responsibilities to not only to do 